0: The world is a complicated place. You need someone to expose the political fakers, fixers, and takers, and to cut through the mindless chatter and misdirection to help you make sense of it all. That person is Dan Proft. And this is The Dan Proft Show.
1: I'd like to welcome you to The Dan Proft Show. I am not Dan Proft. My name is Sean Thompson, and with me is Scott Shalady. Now, here's the thing, Scott. Years and years ago, before Dan had the show, uh, and before Joe Walsh lost his mind, I used to fill in (laughs) for Joe Walsh. So there will be people out there. I've
2: never met Joe Walsh.
1: Oh, he's actually an interesting guy. I like Joe. He did lose his mind. Yeah. Um, But I do like him as a person. Um, And to watch what happened was interesting to me, and it gave me kind of a perspective on some of my own views, to be quite honest with you, like like
2: uh, smoking your own exhaust, maybe a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, well, here's the thing. Um, both see, here's the here's the nice thing about the uh, the answer, five sixty a.m. here in Chicago and Salem, uh, uh, nationwide. Is we actually are the, the people are treated like a family. It's wonderful, and we would go to events together. And as you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm proud to say I'm a friend of Dan Prof's and uh, of of Joe Walsh as well. And early early on during the whole experience of what happened in 2016 we would have infighting the three of us we would you know f- discuss where we disagreed and where we agreed to me and 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 to dan and to everybody who doesn't want to be a socialist it's very crucial that donald trump win so when i criticize trump policy i'm simply criticizing policy never the man i actually think i'd like donald trump i do i think he'd be fun to talk to he'd be a good guy to hang around i really believe that I do. I think he's a well-intended man. I disagree
2: on specific policies, as I think we all disagree. I, you know, I, I would say, look, I'm a Trump guy, too, but I I don't think Barack Obama's a bad guy. No, me either. I mean, I think he'd be somebody to hang out with and have a beer, too. I mean, you know, he tried that once. I didn't, didn't go over it. Well. But— I don't think he's a bad, you know, but his policy's horrible.
1: Just wrong. Just wrong. The policies are, are wrong, and, and, and Barack Obama far more <laughs> than Donald Trump. I agree. But you and I have an advantage over the, the rest of the nation. I say this to people all the time. When somebody from Chicago tells you about the failures of of Democrat and Republican <laughs> politics, we are experts, baby, because this is the nucleus of Browns where it fails. This is the the <laughs> nucleus of where the lies are promulgated and, st- and, and, and really are worked out on the general public. And we pay the cost if you're not in on the scam, right? That's pretty much how it works. So that's the benefit of being in Chicago, and that is really the only one. Because other than that, it's complete, you know, Bad experience, and, and,
2: and, and to that to that point, you know I, what what I've learned about being in the Midwest and watching this happen is you just can't believe it keeps happening. No, I mean that's the problem. I can't believe that for seventy some odd years, I don't know how long it's been. They just keep getting back in office. One hundred, okay, a hundred years. How does that keep happening? Because I mean, are 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 the are the people that much? You know, they call them sheeple? I mean, yes. It, to me, that's just mind boggling. Yes. And that's why I push back against that when I see it.
1: When you see the sheeple, the resistance, for instance, and you'll know this because here, let, let's explain. The way that I, I, I met Dan was through calling in to his radio when he was on another station and arguing about oil, ironically. Did you know that? Him and, no, I knew him that you, and Bruce you call up
2: in the morning. Yeah. Right. I've, done, I've done the AM560 show with Bruce. Because
1: like you, I'm from the financial industry right. that was once very strong here in Chicago. Yes, So we're very strong-headed, very strong-opinionated, and and we're capitalists, which unfortunately in this climate has become a dying.
2: Well, uh, capitalists is a bad thing. That's the enemy, and so is um, being patriotic. That's also a bad thing. Correct,
1: which is why I think it's important that the people understand the differences of the philosophies that, that are being sold to them, because what we've come to learn is that politicians in general, it's the only industry where failure gets you a promotion.
2: It's insanity. It's like nepotism. I've said this a thousand times. When I got out of university, all the really smart guys got really big, high-paying jobs in the private sector. And all the losers went and canvassed for their local aldermen. Exactly. And then suddenly, slowly but surely, over 20 years, you're voting for this guy for president? I mean, that's amazing to me, but that's exactly what happens. And if you look throughout, you know, if you
1: pan back, which I like to do when we talk about issues, if you pan back over, those last, over the last hundred years, government has become in a position where it rules all of us. It really doesn't matter if you're smart, if you're good at your job, whatever the case is. Government has become, unfortunately, instead of a representative republic, a very powerful ruling class that rules with an iron fist. And they will... They will knock you down to size. I don't know many people that ever fought the government and really came out a winner. Well, part of part of his appeal is
2: I think people think Trump kind of did that because the Republicans didn't really like him, and neither did the Democrats, and he kind of went against the grain. And well, he's he's gotten beaten up for it, but uh, he's probably been one of the few people in the last hundred years that you know went against
1: right. You know the status quo, and that infrastructure, however, that he's in charge of that infrastructure that you articulately said those are filled up with the people who couldn't cut it in the private sector. No. That's who occupy those positions. I know. So even though he's the hood ornament, the vehicle that he's on is a is run by 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 not very
2: good. Well, yeah, it's a, with a, hood ornament. Exactly.
1: It's a pinto with a Rolls Royce grill. <laughs> there you have it, and that's the United States government. Yeah. And that's why I get nervous when you see them take charge, whether it be. The coronavirus that I think they're going to and have been mismanaging and using it as an excuse to obtain more power or whether it be a financial collapse blamed on the coronavirus, they're going to use that instance to screw it up even more. That's my biggest fear. So when all of this would transpire back in the election years, both Dan, myself and the other hosts here at 560 would have this think tank discussion. And that's what I always wanted radio to be. The problem that I saw with Joe and with a lot of people is they become so frustrated with their inability to to specifically attack issues, they start to hate the man. So you have that Trump derangement syndrome where anything he does is bad, where to me, I don't ever want to slip into that. So I can say, thank God for Donald Trump. I need him to win because I don't want to be ruled by eco-Nazis. I don't want to be told that my opinion on the sanctity of life is irrelevant. I want law to be used as a shield, not a spear. All the reasons I need Trump to win. In the same breath, I want to reject all of the spending, borrowing, and, and, and well, there, corporatism there are in the Different parts of
2: his platform, yeah, that are, are not good and are not healthy. I would totally agree with that. Right, But, I mean— but I also can't say that any candidate's going to be a utopia. It's not going to be totally perfect, perfect. Right, right? Right. So you're going to not like something from everybody, even if you got your way. Correct. And I and I think that what you have to do is on balance look at it and say, I don't like the fact that he's spending a ton of money, and I think that he thinks like Cudlow and also you know, the guys that he surrounds himself with that there's going to be some sort of trickle down. I don't know if that's really going to happen.
1: No, I never. Well, that was really a a slam that became all of a sudden something we grabbed when they called it trickle down, when the reality is it was an unfortunate instance for people who were capitalists at the time to say it's about property rights to me. And I think the way you fix it is to reestablish those things. So I'm going to work within that party structure, or within the Trump structure to say, listen, Big Donnie, I love you when you're right, but I'm going to rage against you when you're wrong. And you know something? Scott, I think that's our job as Americans to do that because we don't want to be those sheeple, you said.
2: You know what? But you're coming from such a common sense corner because, look, we've got problems with our electoral, with the electorate because they can be swayed with a $150 ad on Facebook. You know, Sad, what I mean? that's yeah. that's unbelievable. I mean, everybody's mad at the Russians for putting the ads up. I'm mad at us for letting people believe them. I agree. I mean, it's not the Russians fault. Let them have added. I don't care because I read that. and go, that's garbage. Or I'll make one more extra step and Google it and really find out the true story. But we've got people that are so stupid. And this is why we've got the problem with the coronavirus. Yeah, where have and I'll take it one step further. This is why socialism is socialism is actually something that people think might work. Exactly. So you've got socialism, Facebook ads, and all the garbage with the coronavirus because we just don't have a brain.
1: And you know something? That's why I do like Dan, even when I disagree with Dan. Dan brings to you that spectrum of knowledge and that focal point of, even though we're talking about the specificity of a particular issue, let's always keep in mind the philosophy that America was born on was the individuality and the idea of a republic, unfortunately and this is due to our fellow constituents, we've allowed government to take charge of us in every instance from waking to bedtime and even through night. And we want to sell
2: out
1: out for that confidence. And I'm going to tell you something. We need to put the suspicion back in the citizen of government. Be suspicious. Even when you like them, be suspicious. Because if history has shown us one thing, when government tells you everything's going to be okay, that's when you better start to batten down the hatches.
2: No. I mean you're you're going down that conspiratorial line, and I, and I've said forever, I don't think they're smart enough to have a really good government conspiracy. I, I mean, they, they 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 can screw up anything. Right? I
1: would have agreed with you if, if if twelve years ago, the minute you said that the Federal Reserve is going to take charge of the monetary system and the and the conservatives are going to back it, I just said you're out of your mind. Yet, we cannot deny the reality in which we live. The Federal Reserve has taken charge. They are in control. If you remember, they're supposed to be reactive.
2: They're proactive. And they have distorted true value and asset prices like nobody's business. And what
1: are we doing to fix it? We're turning to them for help. For even more. That's the problem. I've had fun. We'll be back after the break. Thank you so much for listening to the Dan Prof Show.
0: Seat and sharpen your pencils. Class is in session with Professor Dan Proft and the Dan Proft Show.
1: I'm Sean Thompson with Scott, the Cow Guy show lady. Here we are. This is the Dan Proft Show slash Extravaganza, where Dan Proft, Dan Proft and his letters. Educate the general public writ large. (laughs) And um, when he thinks it's getting too popular, he takes a day off, lets me come in and prune the audience. On assignment. On assignment, yes. Well, I'm going to say something. I don't don't like to speculate, but I'm going to speculate. He had to go to to a different state to
2: play golf, allegedly. Well, it's because we don't have any weather here to play golf There's a
1: big-name politician. I think it's Ted Cruz. I think Ted Cruz is out of quarantine. He's playing golf with... Dan Prof, this is all a ruse from the coronavirus to the collapse of the economy. I would
2: love to self-quarantine for two weeks. Just leave me alone. God. I
1: self-quarantine. I called it high school.
2: <laughs> all right. right. So uh, one of the things we did is we brought Chuck
1: DeCaro, a man whose resume... That's seven years of your life, by the way. His resume is so impressive, Chuck DeCaro. Really. Chuck, it, it, it truly is. And I don't just mean your time at CNN where you used it as a dating service. I'm talking about when you were in the Air Force. <laughs> When you were in the special forces. I'm talking about when you are the, you're like Ali North, only the one that participated with the soldiers. You're my favorite kind of soldier. And you're a geopolitical expert. expert. But one of my favorite things about you is you have a loving marriage to a wonderful woman. Why don't you tell the people so they don't have to Google you?
3: Uh, Yeah, she's a half Italian girl that worked for CNN and junior varsity at the, at headline news. Her name is Lynn Russell.
1: Yeah, Lynn Russell, who well, those of us over the age of 30 grew up saying, God, I hope I meet her. You married her, which makes you the luckiest son of a gun. And, above all, you write for American Greatness or amgreatness.com. You're still very active. I can't figure out how you have the energy. Um, what do you got cooking on the new AM Greatness? I see the article. Benghazi, yet again, Give me a little uh, headline. What was that about?
3: I didn't. I didn't write the Benghazi uh, story, but I. Um, I oh. write two things. One, uh, you know, on national security issues, and the other on the lack of quality at CNN these days. And um, I've written several on, on both subject areas. But I. I got to tell you, you mentioned Ollie North. I got to tell you a funny Ollie North story. Go ahead. Um, his. Um, his. Um, assistant was rob owen you may remember him he's the guy who wrote a poem about ollie during the uh, congressional hearings back when mm-hmm. and um rob was from rhode island as i was and rob came in from a distinguished family his, his uh, father won a navy cross in the pacific in world war ii and and his brother was killed uh, allegedly for the quote state department uh in vietnam and then rob who had a football injury couldn't go in the military so he wound up uh, initially, as a uh, congressional uh, assistant for a couple of senators, and then worked for North. Well, Rob, uh, when Rob got married, I was invited down to this wonderful estate in um, in South Carolina, North Carolina, and uh, Ollie was there. And Ollie didn't know me, but I knew Ollie. So I, um, he was um, ordering a a scotch from. Um, a bar which was outdoor with this with this beautiful lake in front of it. And um he had just been handed his uh, his scotch and he was about to sip it and I kind of sidled up and whispered in his ear, uh, well, Colonel North, trucky car CNN, And Ollie blew that scotch right out of his nostril. So he remembers me. <laughs> anyway, I told him I wasn't working that day and we're both friends of Rob and everything would be off the record. So Every time I see Ali, I remind him of that,
1: uh, so that initial meeting. Your specialty, from your background, is really dealing in the information and misinformation on a geopolitical level. And, and you are the first guy I thought of when I heard what I believe to be a fraud story of the Saudis and Russia fighting with each other, thus plummeting the price of oil. When what I yep. immediately thought was, well, a low oil, unfortunately... Hurts the American oil manufacturer, oil producer, oil refinery, who has a higher oil cost. And in essence, I don't think it's a disagreement as much as a collusion to harm American oil production. However, I do think it may benefit us as consumers. And I was curious to know what you thought. You know me, I'm always on, I'm looking around the corner. That's how we think, guys from our neighborhoods.
3: Well, it depends. I mean, you know, that would, with a president like Donald Trump, If they, uh, if you think that the Saudis and the uh, the Russians are sort of acting in parallel to hurt the U.S. economy, boy, they put the wrong president because now what you're talking about is a game of guts ball. Okay, here's how it works: if Trump takes their bluff and has the United States government, for instance, buy up all the oil, okay? Mm -hmm. Um. What are they going to do? Their economies, both of them, have single-point economies. It's all about petroleum. That's the most profitable thing that the Russians can export and the only thing the Saudis can export. How long do you think they can maintain that? If you take them at that and you, and you want to play a game of, you know, um, who's more macho, they're going to lose because they can't keep that up for very long because they got debt and they have to pay it off with oil. And So they're they're playing a the game. They just picked the
2: wrong guy to play against. You're, you're exactly right, and and to your point, um, you know, Saudis have recently had to float <clears throat> um, Saudi Aramco. I mean, they normally wouldn't yep. have had to have done that thirty years ago. And also, just like in Alaska, they pay their constituents to to you know to stay yep. happy, and and they're having to do that to, to keep everybody kind of from quell, you know to quell an uprising. So you're you're exactly right. This is this is something that well, they should be very very careful. a couple of things even with.
3: more on that in Saudi Arabia. All the people that do the work aren't from Saudi Arabia. They're from everywhere, and if you don't pay them, they're going to get irritated. Not only are they going to leave, but they might revolt. I don't
1: like. I, of, I, I don't like the Saudis. The I don't like them, Chuck. Again? I don't like the Saudis. I don't like them. Not just because they look like a bunch of old Italian women at a week. But I we, don't like them.
2: We, but we like the the muumuu, right? Because it's comfortable, right? It's it's.
1: Chuck, it's, I don't believe a word that comes out of their mouth. With the Saudi Aramco deal, they needed the price of oil to go up. What did they do? They staged an attack on themselves. I know it's a conspiracy, oh, but it's my stop. conspiracy. Yeah. Price of oil doubled. They went public. They got their figure. right? Now they plummet. Tr- I mean, I, I, come on, I think they're I think they're in the chess game. I think we're lagging behind. I'm hoping I'm wrong.
3: Well, I mean we we pay, play this chess game too. Uh, John Prados wrote a book called President's Secret Wars. And while I don't agree with John's political views, uh, it's a wonderful catalog of covert operations from World War II um, through about the Bush administration, Bush II. And, you know, we're we're pretty adept at playing that game as well. When you get somebody like um, Donald Trump in charge, you know, the quality of that kind of game goes up. So, you know, if I had my druthers and who was I going to bet on, I certainly wouldn't bet against us.
1: I like it. I like it. See, that's why I bring on Chuck the Car. It makes me feel good. Right when I'm getting angry. Right when I'm getting nervous. <laughs> if I can't find Count an article he's too, written, yeah. we call him in to uh, to come on the Dan Prof Show. Chuck, I truly appreciate you joining me. Um, that's Scott, the cow guy, the other guy. And by the way, when you're on Fox, when you watch Fox News, the big guy in the cow jacket, that's who you were talking yeah. to. He's a real good guy. I'll tell you what, I want to bring you no. two guys to a restaurant, not just because I'll get a good table. I'm not picking no. up the check.
2: Exactly, because you, you, you no, never well, paid but, for anything.
1: Chuck, I agree with you. Unfortunately, we're up against the heartbreak, so the moral of the story is we're like the three wise men without the conviction. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. I truly okay. appreciate it. Thank you. Bye now. See you later. Bye now.
0: You're listening to The Dan Proft Show on the Salem Radio Network.
4: I'd like
1: to welcome you back to The Dan Proft Show. My name's Sean Thompson in studio with Scott Shalady. The cow guy. The cow guy. And I'm sorry, we're going to have to t- I don't want to talk Corona. You want to talk Corona? A
2: well, bunch of morons running like around about a fake disease. You know what? We can, we can talk corona, and we can talk um, Russian Facebook ads, and we can talk socialism. They're all this equally stupid. Yeah, and
1: you know what else annoys me? More people will be shot. Now, I know we're not broadcasting in Illinois, but this is why we're an authority. More people tonight will be shot and maimed on the south side of Chicago than will catch the coronavirus.
2: I mean that's just the reality. Of and I and I think we're getting close to the point where we've got more people that have survived it than than are that currently have it. All right, and number 2 is this, all the people are worried about more cases coming out, oh, the the, the media threatening us with there're much more people out there that really have it. All that really does is drive that death ratio down Come on, right America. it makes it even more less who cares the reality is
1: we're americans you're you're going to use chinese statistics they're drinking bath water for god's sake we're up. americans we got we have more in a cvs than china has access through in a lifetime of government health care right there's more to us over the counter than they We're going to be fine baby we'll put mustard on it
2: needed it. i don't get too nervous about that corona i mean it's 700 people have it in the country and 26 people dying we've got like 22 states declare a national emergency? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Right. Are you kidding me? I mean, if, talk about the nanny state. What I do get
1: nervous about is that nanny state and socialism. <laughs> what I get nervous about is some doddering old fool pretending to be an authority who's never had a job.
3: Joe voted for disastrous trade agreements
1: which have been horrific for the Midwest. I help lead the effort against those terrible trade agreements. I, what I want is the old-fashioned businessmen make the rules. Citizens are represented, not ruled. I know it's I know, but,
2: but, but it is but Because everybody figured out back then that if I had a foot in both camps, I'd have it covered. And you know how we talked about unions and you asked me yeah, before? Yeah. Unions could have
1: never gained a foothold and been this hub of corruption and, and, and been the example of failure they are if it wasn't for government having a power in capitalism they shouldn't have had. In other words, it's the competition that breaks the back of it. Inability and, and, the, and the lack of success. We need that failure. Business without failure isn't really business. Well, no, it's government sponsored, public funded. It's getting a trophy for coming in last, and nobody cares. And we need to re-
2: get back to that because, listen, this Look, country I was know. built up on that. How are we going to answer me this? How are we going to get back to that when we have given, I don't know how we've spawned this, this generation of people where socialism really is an answer? I mean, have we beaten them up so badly that they have absolutely no hope left, yeah. and they're going to turn to socialism for their last ditch effort to have a nice life? You know what they know. What, what's going on? You know, uh, you and Dan will often say to me, "That's kind of conspiratorial."
1: You know how you do that? Yeah. And the reason I am a conspiracy believer well, you've is we've got,
2: got a screw loose but
1: because we live in a country that's been overturned by the conspiracy of socialism. And I'll tell you what I mean. I'm an FDR nut. I knew all about his philosophy and how he <laughs> wanted to do it. And what he knew was brilliant. He knew if he could get the American people to collude with socialism, it would gain a foothold in popularity. And that is why today you see American conservatives argue for family leave, for more social security, for more insurance subsidies, and for more economic control. Because that son of a gun, that fraud, FDR was right. Right. He gave us the poison pill that has grown into a root of tyranny. You and I, economic guys, are having a hard time explaining how to pull it out. So I'm frustrated I'm not, yeah, in the I'm conspiracy yeah. that
2: worked because look
1: where we are, brother.
2: Right, well, that, and that's where we're at. Is where, and that's why I feel like I've let down the side myself because we've spawned a generation of people that actually think that that's an option. But tonight how? someone's going to listen. How is that an option? Tonight someone's going to listen. A young
1: person, an old person, they're going to look it up. And they're going to see where there has never been a trust fund. Social Security is not an insurance plan. Well, there's nothing there anyway. It's a tax. There is no such thing. It's just a way to tax an employer and to tax a human a a, a human worker. It's just a way to breed socialism. And through that, in the future, never sell Americans short. We can correct it. It's going to be hard, and it's going to be a struggle, and it'll have to be after an economic collapse. But it can happen. I never sell it short it can happen and once the american realizes you're you're cheating the people it's not real they'd be better off if they had their own money you know, how long their employer would be better well here we got a trump telling us he's going to give us a tax break and this is i'm good trump give us a tax break by taking away the uh, payroll tax right you know somebody's going to look it up and realize that was never supposed to be there it was I, a temporary I, fix in world war II that was supposed well, to be taxes taken away
2: temporary by the way yeah.
1: So some, some kid out there is going to say, well, wait a minute. It shouldn't even be in my paycheck. Right. And that's freedom spreads, too. And it spreads faster than socialism. So I'm optimistic, <laughs> even though you and I will probably die being socialists. Yeah, yeah We're yeah, over more, 50. More likely. Yeah. Well, we will if we cozy up to it. So that's why I say Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden. I spit them from my mouth like a bitter pill of failure. This is the Dan Prof. Show. We'll be back after this with Ed Morrissey.
0: Exposing political fakers, fixers, and takers. He's Dan Prof., and this is the Dan Prof. Show.
1: Welcome back to the Dan Prof Show, Scott Chilady, and I am proud, as always, to bring in the conservative version of Huel Brenner, Ed Morrissey, who I love. Ed, how are you?
5: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on today.
1: You see what I did? I told you, I cozied up to you here locally in Chicago. I gave you the nickname first. Now, I'm taking you across the country, kid, on the Dan Prof Show. Aren't you proud of me? I'm very proud of you. All right, very good. All right. People need to look you up because I've been a fan of yours for years. And your website is the screensaver on my phone. It is where I get my my Internet news. I don't go to the Drudge. I'm well aware that the Drudge Report was sold and that now it's uh, somebody who's really kind of of want to put us back into that Republican version of, of running society. So to me, it's hot air. It's all the time.
5: Well, thanks. I appreciate that.
1: So, what do you think as you watch what's happening, as you watch government take advantage of a financial failure they created? What is your prediction, kid?
5: Well, my prediction is that you're going to see some sort of stimulus package come out. I mean, uh, you saw Donald Trump uh, today talk about the fact that he's going to be meeting with uh, Senate Republicans to try to structure some sort of tax cut, possibly, you know, payroll tax holiday. Uh, perhaps some support for paid leave, you know, emergency support for paid leave, which is probably the most effective thing they could do at this point uh, because what you want to do is you want to incentivize social distancing, and that's certainly one way of doing it. But I'm kind of thinking that this is going to plateau out before they get a chance to do much of anything.
2: Yeah, this is Scott Sheldon. I, I agree with you. Here's my, here's my problem with the whole thing is. It's it's a disease that's keeping people inside and it's curtailing their spending. I know we've got you know delivery and Amazon and all that stuff, but right. generally speaking, unless you can give me a stimulus package, package that's going to get Ma and Pa Kettle out to Chinatown for dinner tonight, I don't think anything's really going to take full. You are going to be fighting you know in a gunfight with a knife. If this is this is about getting people from being afraid to leave their homes rather than putting money in their pocket. They can have all the money in their pockets they want, but they can't do anything with it.
5: Right, and I think that the way that our economy is structured now, and you mentioned this, is that there's, there's a lot more um, autonomy, there's a lot less social engagement that's required for our economy than there used to be, but there is still some level of that that is required. Sure. And the fact that you've got, I mean, Italy is basically locking everybody in their house for the next, what, three weeks, four weeks? Um, their economy is going to go right into the tank over this, and I think that that's a huge overreaction. Um, I think that you don't need to do anything like that here, and uh, and, and frankly, I think if people just uh, displayed some common sense about not going out when you're symptomatic and staying away from people who are symptomatic, you 're probably going to be just fine and I, I think that we probably should be emphasizing that more than anything else
2: do, do you feel like this is how I feel like leaders of industry or even leaders of of governments no longer can err on the side of caution. They have to err on the side of hysteria because if something goes wrong, they think it's going to be their hide, even though it's, the, the, the odds of that happening are so small. But it's now their error. You've got a country that's on lockdown. That's erring on the side of hysteria. And what you just said there is, you know, shame on you. No one's going to use common sense because they, we don't have it anymore.
5: Well, you know, I think there's two different competing trends here. One is to just write it off, which is wrong. And the other is to, is to panic over it, which is also wrong. I, I mean, this is a serious disease. And it's an outbreak, and you have to treat it like that. I mean, there are steps that have to be taken in order to try to minimize it. But it's not the end of the world. And I think people who treat it as though it's the impending end of the world, like it's something out of, you know, Stephen King's *The Stand*, are doing everybody a, a, a gross uh, misfavor here. It's it's going to be that's going to be much more damaging than the actual outbreak is going to going to turn out to
2: be. Well, at I uh, oh I'm sorry, Scott. No, I was just the last thing I'll say. Okay. I'm sorry, to, I'm, I'm jumping in, but um, we uh, Sean and I have both been in the markets for a long time. And when I when I first got started, 32 years ago, an old trader came up to me. It, it was it was around the crash of '88 or crash of '87, I guess. And he said, uh, you know, when you when you bet when you take a bet that the world's gonna end, and you win, what do you win? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah like marriage so I, 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 thought, I thought right. that was fantastic advice so anyway i'll leave it i'll leave it there
1: i'm gonna tell you uh, uh something you know i hear you talk about italy i'm you know i'm half italian I, I grew up in a chicago italian neighborhood bunch of italians staying home means they just found a successful excuse to me i'm not that shocked but what i am shocked about is the democrats uniting behind this doddering old fool who should be sitting in a tub in a cialis commercial instead he looks like he'll be the presidential nominee I mean, do you blame the conspiracy of the Democrat mafia taking just going after Sanders and destroying him because they think their best shot is with the scarecrow Biden? What do you think?
5: I think that Biden was the only guy who was in a position to take advantage of the fact that Bernie Sanders blew up his campaign with Fidel Castro and communist China. I mean, I've never seen that. People are talking about this like it's a Biden renaissance. It's not a Biden renaissance. This is a Sanders collapse. Sanders was in position to not just be getting a plurality, but getting a majority of delegates before the uh, convention, before he did his 60 Minutes interview. And after his 60 Minutes interview in the CNN uh, town hall that took place a couple of days later, everybody thundered for the exits. This is a guy who blew up his own campaign, and I don't think he's getting the credit he should be getting <laughs> for doing that. It's spectacular.
1: Well, I, I, I have to tell you, if you look at the way things are set up, and you know me, I, mean, I go a little bit downfield. I've been known you to sure run do. with a conspiracy. You sure do. Joe Biden gets the nomination. He stumbles around. He disappears for a couple of days. Next thing you know, he's got the stroke and he can't go on. And they bring in the Duchess of Chaffington, Hillary. What do you think? Possible? No, they'd never give it to Hillary. They'd be
5: looking for somebody who could um, unite the party, not for somebody who's going to divide it even further. Um, but I mean, let, I mean, if you're going to if you're going to play those types of scenarios out, I think you have to. I think you have to broaden your horizons. I think you're talking about maybe somebody like Eric Holder who comes in, or or maybe somebody like Michelle Obama, though I don't think she'd ever do it. Um, that Oof. would be the, the type of person that you're looking for in that sort of a scenario, not not Hillary Clinton.
1: Well, it was any excuse to use my Duchess of Chaffington joke, and you didn't even crack a smile. But all right. (laughs) So I I just, uh, you know, as we go on hot air, what do you got in the works? What's cooking? What's the next thing Ed Morrissey's going to kick out?
5: Well, the next thing that I've got coming out is a a, a clip from last night in which Bernie Sanders doubles down on Fidel Castro and communist China being, you know— uh, some sort yeah. of paragons in in various different ways. I mean, this is a guy who is really determined to make sure that his campaign is dead and stays dead. It um, got Mike Bloomberg who has just um, apparently fired the staff that he promised that he'd keep on for a year. And this
1: is uh, great. This is a well. cycle that keeps on giving, my friend. Be- beware the person dumb enough to believe the word of a New York or Chicago or a California Democrat, you're going to end up in the unemployment line. That's the, that's a telltale sign. Quite literally in this case, yeah. Thank you, Ed, for joining us on Thanks the Dan Prof Show. I really appreciate it. We'll be back after this. Thank you.
0: The more you listen, the more you'll know. This is the Dan Prof Show.
1: I'm Sean Thompson with Scott Shalady. We are in on the Dan Prof Show, as Dan rarely takes a day off, and uh, his face tells the story. He works all the time. He uh, he did, however, cut out today. And what is it, the official tagline we're supposed to say? He's on assignment? He's on assignment, yeah. That's Rather than yelling that's at his they, caddy? Yeah. <laughs> all right. I just <laughs> right. want to stick on theme. I hate to just show the people that he is actually a human being and occasionally does like to chase the he's, golf He's ball. a bit of an elitist, but that's okay. no. Yeah. Yeah. He, that was scotch lady not Sean Thompson who said that. <laughs> I'd like to be back. Yeah, right. But, you know, one of the things well, is— Well, they mean, pay
2: you. That's the difference. That yeah, paid. Right,
1: yeah, yeah, right. It's not enough. I need to unionize. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. But what happened today with Joe Biden at a union, an auto worker union event, I found shocking. Because here's what's happened to these politicians. They've gotten a little overconfident. With their fact of, ah, you know what, these union guys, they're going to shut up and do what they're told. I think they have for decades. But when you go after things they love, like the Second Amendment, because I'll tell you another thing, people are very, have very strong, rightfully, have very strong feelings about the Second Amendment. One thing is for sure, Democrats don't like your Second Amendment. It's not just here in Chicago, Illinois that they hate your Second Amendment, it's the big ones too, even the old ones. So they asked Joe Biden today, I want you to hear this clip.
5: No. You're forced. Now, God bless. I support the Second Amendment. The second is just like right now, if you yell fire, that's not free speech.
2: Second, I mean, what the hell is he? Was well, that one of his handlers trying to should, like get him away? Like, okay, well, let's go, let's go. Is that? Yeah, I, I, they're I,
1: trying to get him away because they don't want to expose him to this kind of this kind of recording. This obviously is recorded on a phone. This isn't something the Democrat Party or his handlers want you to be aware no of. Way. This is this is a flaw in his character where he is he can't. Which is gonna focus. keep happening. Right. It's gonna keep happening. And that's why my conspiracy is holds right. Oh. You mark my words. He's gonna go for the, the weekend at Bernie's where you just don't see him anymore. <laughs> and then the next week, uh Joe Biden unfortunately cannot go on. We're going to give you Camilla Harris. The Duchess, the Duchess
2: of Chafing. The Duchess of Chafing. Oh, that's such a good name. Oh, yeah. I came up with it on well, the fly. Yeah,
1: well, I, look, he's... You know why pantsuits? Not for everyone. No. Yeah, she I should mean, be in one of those Saudi for, outfits.
2: they for Hillary Clinton and Ray Rayner. Whew. But anyway. The only thing the nation could agree on is we
1: completely understood why Bill Clinton cheated. <laughs> I mean, is what? it? I mean, <laughs> the only thing everybody cut him a break for is like, whew, all right, I guess I could understand it. And, you know, I have to say, his his cover-up was almost as, as flawed as Joe Biden's here. When he was asked during the, the Hillary Clinton special, why did you partake in it? How do you feel about it with Monica Lewinsky? Who, by I, the way, I, I w- didn't even
2: watch the special. By the way, I didn't. I only watched it. twenty minutes. Ago. It made me sick.
1: Monica Lewinsky was freshly out of her twenties. She was a kid. Destroyed. He destroyed her. De- still. And here st- we are, thirty years later, still feeling the effects. And he's of the asked thing. why, and you know what he said? I was dealing with anxiety. Oh, so all you need to deal with anxiety is a intern who can keep a secret. There is how the Clinton Democrat takes care of anxiety. They can't even correct or apologize in a proper manner. Nope. That's why nope. beware the old doddering Democrat. He has contempt for you and all the excuses in the world. Sean Thompson, Scott Lady for the Dan Proctor. Show. Four.
0: From the fake news, he's always got the real story. This is the Dan Proft Show.
5: You are fake news.
0: The world is a complicated place. You need someone to expose the political fakers, fixers, and takers, and cut through the mindless chatter and misdirection to help you make sense of it all. That person is Dan Proft. And this is the Dan Proft Show.
1: I'd like to welcome you back to the Dan Proft Show. My name's Sean Thompson. With Scott Shalady, we are in for Dan Proft. I don't know how I feel about that, Scott. It takes two of us to relieve one of him while he goes and chases a little white he, ball around.
2: Yeah, we probably I don't have, think we I like have, it. You could have phrased that better, but anyway. I don't um, like
1: the innuendo. So, And you know what else we did? We brought. I in... want to know how
2: many people you asked to be on with you today that said no before you finally got to me on the phone tree. Not a lot of people want to be here with me. <laughs> I have a tendency to prune the audience, as right, he likes no, to gotta remind call, me. we got to call Shalady the cow guy. He's yeah. gonna, he'll do it. Scott Shalady Ask the Mikey, cow
1: he'll, guy he'll, he'll and like Cheryl Chumley. Yeah. Cheryl, how are you?
6: Uh, hey, Scott, thanks for
1: having me. Scott is the is the guy who's the cow guy. I'm Sean, sexier, better looking, little more hair. Right.
6: Got it. All, All right,
1: right. <laughs> just want to keep it mentally straight for you and the listeners out there. I'm the sexy <laughs> one. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so listen, I was perusing your article. Um huh What do you think? Do you think that John Kerry and Barack Obama cooked up carnivore virus in the basement somewhere as they plot to take over the country?
6: Oh, this coronavirus is crazy. It's it's the only thing happening in the world right now, according <laughs> to the media, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's all you hear.
2: First, they lead with the first, second, and third story, and they just have different ways of saying it.
6: Yeah, and it's not to say that coronavirus is not a health threat and that we shouldn't all take it seriously, but if you look at where the media is going with this coronavirus coverage right now, um, I, I did. And the last day, especially, it's all about bringing forward the R word, recession. And, you know, Trump, it's just curious to me that Trump, his, his big strength is the economy. And the economy is what wins elections. The Democrats have absolutely nobody who can beat Donald Trump. So I'm not saying they manufactured coronavirus hype, but they certainly are running with it with their friends in the media.
2: Well, you would if you were them, because that's all you've got. I mean, look at the two guys that are left. You have to run with the coronavirus, because that is going to be your Hail Mary.
6: (laughs) It's sad. It's sad and pitiful, but you're absolutely right. Instead of having to dig up another Russia collusion-type story or impeachment message, they can just run with this, the economy.
1: Now, Cheryl, you're with The Washington Times, and I'm curious to know your take from inside this machinery that we call the press. So, for instance, you know, I... Both Scott and I are over that half-century mark, and you know, as I've seen this in my adulthood, is the media run cover for the failures of a socialism, of a collectivism, of a top-down control by the Democrat Party. I mean, they they they've been running cover for my, in my opinion, ever since LBJ, obviously until the end of Barack Obama, and I think they're doing it now, as you see these dottering old fools who every time I see him, I think this must be a Depends commercial. All of a sudden, the nomination or the nominee is going to be an old man, one preaching socialism, one blabbering in a library looking for his car keys. I can't decide how the media isn't exposing this instead of running cover. Are you shocked?
6: No, I'm not shocked because, you know, I came up through the ranks of media through local news. And so I have been in this field for a couple of decades, and way, way back when I was covering local news, there were reporters in the newsroom, and we would have our daily budget meetings to decide what stories we were all going to cover and what was going to be placed on the page and so forth. We would have meetings about the coverage, and the reporters I worked with would talk with pride and and bragging in their voices about taking down some conservative with you know, story X versus story Y. They would talk about camping out to catch a conservative or a Republican in some sort of compromising situation based on a rumor, not even based on facts. So I kind of grew up in the media with this type of bias. And I would, I, if, if you want me to say something's different, the thing that's changed to me is that it's become so blatant. It's, just, it's a no-holds-bar type of lying and deception that we see in the media now. They don't, they don't even try and cover
2: their lying tracks. Well, we've gone from, I mean, they're, they're not journalists anymore anyway. It's an opinion news, you know, it's an opinion show. There's no news. And, and I, I, I agree with you. And I, I think, I don't know why, but part of me is slightly shocked that it was even happening like that 20 years ago to you. I, I, I just wonder, I wonder in the newsroom with Cronkite, you know, what was going on behind the scenes there because this is, is, is out of control. And we were on earlier today talking about how they've turned – capitalism into a bad thing and they've turned being patriotic to your country as a bad thing i mean they're beating us over the head with these things that i grew up with that were good things and they're turning them they're turning they're trying to it's almost like they're turning me against my country and i just don't get it
7: to me
6: what's changed is that the democrat party has gone farther to the left than it ever has been before even even in times for the democrats were far leftists um and progressivism sort of took over their party's views and platforms, they still had a love of America, most of them. They didn't dare speak about America in negative terms. They didn't dare question that idea of American exceptionalism. And the generations in school were raised by teachers who were patriotic to believe that America was the best country in the world. You would have your few and far betweens that would, sort of opposed that type of view, but they were shut down. Now it's flipped. Now everybody in the media, everybody in the public school systems has that same anti-America, America is no better than any other nation in the world type of attitude. And I think that's the big change now. You have the more globalist view rather than sovereign American view kind of taking over the media, and the Democratic Party.
1: Well, there's something else, too, I've recognized, Cheryl. I want to know what you think about it. As you listen to the old Keynesian frauds like Paul Krugman, I mean, if you listen to Paul Krugman during the Obama years, he believed in a collectivism, a top-down control and contortion, a spend and borrow and quantitative ease and infuse all of the things we do now. Why is he so against it? Is it just because Trump's doing it? I mean, we're, we're living in Paul Krugman's <laughs> yeah, achievement,
6: you know. Yeah, the, the number one rule in the Democrat Party is basically that thou shall not praise a Republican. You know, they, they don't want to just disagree with Republicans and conservatives. They want to destroy conservatism in America. And if that means setting them against their own policies, the very policies that they once advocated, if that means temporarily putting them in that awkward position, they'll do it if it means it can take down a conservative.
1: Do you think we've all moved to the left,
7: Cheryl? Do I think the ball has moved to the left? We
1: all have. Both the the Democrats who at one time went to World War II to fight socialists, now they're socialists. They've moved to the left. But the Republicans as well have adopted that very thing I just asked you the question about with that Krugmanism, that Keynesianism. And it seems to me that the resistance that Scott mentioned, that small few that still call themselves capitalists, are outcasts. I'm wondering, hasn't the entire country shifted to the left where we're a top-down collective?
6: I, I would disagree that the entire country has. As far as the politicians in D.C., I would wholeheartedly agree. And this is why Trump, if you go back in time a couple of years, this is why Trump had such vicious, ugly opposition from those within his own party, because Trump was... The America first guy and Republicans through the years under Obama, through the watery administrations of the Bushes and so forth, they had learned to compromise with Democrats and Democrats slowly but surely have managed to pull the Republican Party down that leftward path. And Republicans in political office, they get used to the perks. They get used to the comforts, the parties, the, the special interest type of provisions they get for being federal politicians. And they fight when they are asked to give it up. And so this is why Trump, I believe, has created such a fury in D.C. It's only just recently in this last year, year and a half, that you see these elitist, entrenched Republicans actually backing Trump publicly now.
2: Well, I, I, think, I think you're spot on. And I would go one step further and, and use a word that's a bad word nowadays. Trump's a winner, right? And if there's a winner, yes. there's got to be a loser. And politicians don't want any losers, So then they don't want any winners. They just want to be continuing as we are. And I think, look, I feel like it's partly my fault, right, as a 54-year-old man that we've spawned a generation of no winners because everybody gets a trophy, everybody gets a participation award. Because if there's no winners, kids, we don't have any losers and nobody feels bad. And that permeates throughout society. And so I like it that we've got somebody that's gone back to making winning okay again, and it's not an ugly thing because somewhere along the line people started to say, having a loser is an ugly thing well you you only have losers when you have winners so that means we can't have winners
1: yeah and in the meantime mitch mcconnell joe biden joe biden's brothers joe biden's sons all became millionaires and here we are going to work cheryl and all i want to do is get to that (laughs) eyes wide shut party
6: i can't figure it out
1: (laughs) (laughs) well listen why all right
6: I, I think we need to not as Republicans or conservatives look at Trump as if he is uh, a sort of savior of our nation who has turned the tide back to more found, founding fathers visions but rather start looking to principles and insisting on our politicians no matter who's in office Republicans or Democrats abide by the principles we need to get back to those core thank, ideas.
1: Thank you Cheryl. We will be back after this. Thank you for joining us.
0: and sharpen your pencils. Class is in session with Professor Dan Proft and the Dan Proft Show.
1: My name is Sean Thompson. Scott Shalady,
0: oh two cow, of cow. us
1: yep. to take over for the Dan Proft Show. Boy, that makes me feel very inadequate. We did, however, manage to bring on Cheryl Chumley. Cheryl, I'm going to ask you about this story because I find it captivating and I love to use the excuse to mention murder. I like to say (laughs) it. I used to watch the old movies. You remember? And now in this, Louis Gomert of Texas, Stephen King of Iowa delivered an under the radar, shocking speech from the House floor. I didn't hear about it until I picked up your article. Can you tell me about it?
6: Yeah, Phil Haney one of the founders of Homeland Security and an expert in Islamic terrorism, he was found dead. And at first, the rumor was that it was suicide, and that was the initial reporting that came out. And then the, the sheriff's office in the area where where he was uh, killed, where he died, said that it was too premature to call it uh, suicide. And now, in the meantime, you have Congressman Steve uh, King from Iowa, and Louis Gomer from Texas, both of whom said they were friends with Philip Haynes, who came out on the House floor and said they do not believe it's suicide, they actually think he was murdered. And, and in the days since, you also have this opinion piece from uh, the Israel Times overseas saying essentially the same thing, Philip Haynes did not commit suicide. Now this is a guy who testified, who who was a whistleblower at the Department of Homeland Security during the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. He said to the Judiciary Committee that he was forced to destroy documents that would have connected uncomfortable dots between Islamic terrorists and the administration. So it's just interesting that now he's turned up dead, and you have two congressmen, respected congressmen, questioning. The so called suicide line of thought.
1: They Epstein this son of a gun, didn't they? I'll tell yeah. you, the whole damn thing's a conspiracy. <laughs> Everyone makes fun of me. I'm all in. It is a conspiracy. Someone benefits when this guy dies because, as we know, nobody with a government pension would ever kill themselves. They're millionaires. <laughs> right.
6: Well, you know what? The interesting thing is, Louis Gomart uh, specifically mentioned in his House floor speech that he and Philip Haney had to have discussions. Uh, about the possibility of so-called suicide, and Haney told him that if he ever came up as being uh, uh, on a suicide list, that it was untrue. And now here we have the mainstream media ignoring it or painting Haney as dying by suicide. Uh-huh. So it's definitely curious.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and as you read your story, there's also a bit about uh, sensitive information on a USB stick where um, that is. Believe it or not, shockingly, it's gone missing.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe he took it to the afterlife with him. You see, <laughs> Dan Proft is smarter than anybody I know. There's no question about it. A man of letters, the most well-read human being in the world. However, I'm right on the conspiracies. I'm sorry, Cheryl. I'm going to stick with it. And your story helps vindicate my suspicion. Well,
6: that's why I wrote it.
1: Uh-huh. It's all
6: about the vindication.
1: It's all about the vindication. <laughs> all right. So now, Russia. Let me go to your other story. Russia, Russia, Russia. Do you think that they, instead of fighting with Saudi Arabia, are colluding with Saudi Arabia to implode both break apart the cabal of OPEC, implode oil to where it's not feasible for American high-cost oil production to make money? Do you see another conspiracy? What do you think, Cheryl? Well, I
6: wouldn't call that a conspiracy. Conspiracy so much, I would call it something that is worthy of investigating. I guess that would be the phrase I'd use. Uh, you know, it, it's not a conspiracy if if it's based in fact. And a lot of these so-called conspiracies are are pitched that way by leftists in the media who want the whole story to just disappear. So. You know, I I think people just have to do their own investigations of things and not just take what the mainstream media says as fact.
2: I think the conspiracy here is that they both don't like Elon Musk and nobody's going to buy an electric car if gas is free. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you know what else, too, Cheryl? All the eco-Nazis, all the California people who want to go green and all, they should be loving the fact that oil is collapsing. Where's all the accolades? Where's the good job, Trump? Look at this. For the first time since 2001, oil is below $35. That
2: is another achievement. Yesterday, I traded $27.5 a a gallon. I mean, a, a barrel. Yesterday. Amazing. I mean, this is absolutely I mean, amazing. What's your prediction yes. in the war? Do you go
1: with Vladimir Putin, the guy with the ball-bearing head, and lots of money, or do you go against him? Who wins between him and Saudi Arabia? What's your prediction?
6: Well, I, I, I would put my, my money on the money, and honestly, Saudi Arabia has a lot more money than Russia does.
2: Yeah, but they're
1: walking around in robes. I can't go with the robes. I think that's
2: no. I think the, what order a pizza? You don't have to worry about your waistline. It's the most comfortable thing in the world. Oh, you want with the comfort, huh? Yeah, All <laughs> yeah. <right>. and <laughs> sandals and sandals on top of it. Right. right. In Come fact, it might be a moomoo. Yeah. Right. It's, if you're it's over 280, a, it's the male moomoo. It's a male moomoo. Vladimir Putin, <laughs> my house dress.
1: <laughs> Vladimir Putin has so much power in this oligarch. If you're just, if you were even said hello to this guy, you're a billionaire. Are you surprised at the lack of investigation? from the international community to see that this guy has never really produced anything. He didn't invent Amazon. He never developed any code or software yet. He seems to be worth untold billions. Do you see the rest of the world maybe one time taking a look at this scoundrel?
6: No, I certainly don't. I mean, the discussion we just had a few minutes ago about the media and the media's job nowadays is to run cover for the Democrats and to carry water for the Democrats. It's not to investigate It's not to look at stories and issues that would actually out, you know, out uh, corruption and uproot crime and and things like that. It's simply to be a lapdog for the left.
1: That's disheartening. See, I'm hoping for the bad guy doesn't win. The crime doesn't pay. Yet that's only in the morning movie when we were kids, Cheryl. It seems to pay and it pays really well in the real world.
6: Yeah, it, it certainly does, and you don't even have to look overseas to make that point. You can just look at the Biden family and Bolivia oh, and Hunter Biden, right? It's, I mean, if you're in politics and you know the right people, you will be a millionaire soon enough.
2: And, you know, that's what I took out of that whole kerfuffle anyway. You know, everybody's saying that uh, Trump couldn't say that against the guy that he's running against because that's going to be quid pro quo and all this, all this garbage. All that taught me was if you want to do anything wrong, just make sure you're running for president because you're untouchable. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, you can come out and say exactly what you're doing, which he did, and nobody cares. So just make sure you're running for president and you can do whatever you want. Or be a Biden, wow. like she said, be related. The brothers, the kid. Hunter Biden couldn't get out of this room if you took the exit
1: sign down, let alone this fact this guy's a head he's ahead of hedge funds. He never did any international deals. He's literally worth tens of millions. And that's not being rejected by the Democrats. I think he I find frequents it a lot of the
2: same places you do, though, so I'm just saying. All right, he's, you know, <laughs> Ixnay <man. laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Cheryl, well.
1: I want to just thank you for bringing this to light. Where can we get your stuff? Um, what's the best way to get into the Washington Times?
6: Uh, Washington Times, the, the app um, is ad-free, so if you download it, you can bypass all those annoying pop-ups. And uh, come find me on Twitter at C.K. Chumley.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. Now, in the Twitter world, will you act like you don't know me? Will you give me a cold shoulder? Something tells me you will. No, I right. certainly won't. All I will right. search uh, you that'd out. That would be in How line with that? others. That
2: will be in line with others. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> Pruning the audience, Cheryl. Thank you so much for joining me, joining me and Scott Shalady on the Dan Prof Show. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. Hey,
6: thank you. Have a great one.
0: Dan Croft Show on the Salem Radio Network.
2: My name
1: is Sean Thompson with scotch lady the, the Dan, the, the cow guy. I keep forgetting. Yeah, put that
2: in there. because No, I don't want people to know my name. I'd rather just say the cow the guy. The cow guy? Yeah. So if I wanted to follow you on Twitter, is it the cow guy? Yeah. Really? Scott the Cow Guy. How did you get that Scott cartoon the of yourself? Guy. You
1: got a cartoon of yourself. I, you I know, time? a guy
2: drew, drew that for me. Yeah, it works. It works. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I like it. I mean, everybody. All right, that's my picture. I was at a, uh, on, on mine, I have a big cigar.
1: See, people don't realize my trading badge was cigar. I was, think about this, Scott. I'm 11 years old. My grandfather owns an auto parts store. You know, a little family business. Lived up on top, right? I mean, this is back before, this is when men had to work, right? And you put your kid, I was, I was like, I'm not kidding. I think I was 10. And a half, maybe 11. And I had to, he rebuilt starters. And back then, you had to grind the armature. So you'd hold a piece of sandpaper mm-hmm. and it would spin on a lathe and it would have to be copper. No goggles, no nothing. Of course not. 11 year old kid breathing it all the, in. Breathing it all in with, this, with the solvent that they now link to all kinds of problems. Right. And uh, at the end of the day, he reaches in the pocket and grabs the Parodi out. Says, here you go, kid. So I start smoking. Like ten and a half, eleven, they would lock my grandfather up. Poor Tom Sarlo would be thrown in solitary
2: confinement. What do you mean you put a kid to work? What do you mean uh-huh. you let him smoke tobacco? Hey, who's gonna storm the beaches of Normandy now? When we can't get kids to storm the beaches of Malibu? That's all I want to know. <laughs> it's just, <good. laughs> I mean, it's, we're in trouble if there's another world war. You know, I used to
1: be mad when I, as I was getting older, you know, because you only got one life to live, right? You got uh-huh. one life to live. And as, as you get older, you can't help but reflect. And say, what if I made different choices? Or you look at these young. That's stuff. why I don't
2: like long car rides because I'm suicidal when I get out of you know, All like, the mistakes I've made.
1: But when you really think about it, I wouldn't trade a minute to be a young kid today versus have the experience we had when America was about the individual, was about freedom. It wasn't. Nobody cared when I was a kid if one uncle was a Democrat and one was a Republican because you know what the difference was very small difference. Well, back then it was. Back right? then it was a very small difference. Now. They're socialists,
2: damn it. No, but I mean, What are you everything, doing? Everything. Hey, back then when we were kids, like, say, 12 years old, and I said, I'm coming over to your house at 4 o'clock on Friday, and I said that on Monday. We wouldn't talk all week, and <laughs> at 4 o'clock I'd show up like I said I would. That's exactly right. But now with a phone, hey, you still come every day. Tex, are you coming? Are you still good for Friday? I mean, there's a thousand different things that get spawned off of, hey, I said it on Monday. I'll be there on and Friday. And you know what? You look at the behavioral problems. You look yes. at the shortcomings in their character. I have to say
1: this as a father of two girls. Right. You look at the, the way in which they're so sophomoric.
2: At sixteen and eighteen, and you compare them to when we had to just do but that things. Wednesday text. We still good for Friday. Did I say anything different? No, it's crazy. Stop it, right? But this is the technology that snuck in and said it's going to free us has enslaved us, right? And it's the same thing with schools. They yes. said this would
1: be better if we turned our kids over to these morons. Oh, my God. Instead, they made it worse. A, well, and, okay. and, and you know, you look at it, and I'm going to tell you right now, Scott, I've got my own little philosophy on
2: schools. there we go. All right. All, right. all right. It's all a
1: conspiracy hour.
2: Put on the tinfoil hat Here right it now. is right now. Yeah, I got it on. I
1: was invited through the radio station. First of station. all, that's a lie. I was. No, never invited a, anywhere. I've, I've, I, I crashed. I drove a guy <laughs> to... Yeah. <laughs> I crashed an event for homeschooled kids. I didn't know it was homeschooled. I was invited. And what they said is, you're going to judge a debate on the electoral college. I didn't know how old they were. I go to this function. They're 9-year-olds to 12-year-olds, most of whom are either friends or related. And they put on this litigation like little lawyers. And the way they articulated themselves, the confidence they had, the unawareness of their own shortcomings because they were homeschooled. They were raised, they were educated by people who loved them. And they, they didn't give them the that fear of inadequacy when they didn't know something, they were taught it. And you look at the product that is kicked out of the public school system. Uh. You have to say, I am completely against government schools. I think everything should at least be turned back over to either charity or private institution or parents. I think we need to revamp the entire system. Do not expose your kids to each other until they're su- secure enough in their own confidence and knowledge to not be... Bullied, not be swayed. Because it destroys these kids. I say this with a daughter who's eighteen yeah, and who has
2: been affected by that. I've I had a daughter affected, you know, in a in a very bad way, you know right, that. And I so I I think I, I think you 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 have to turn back and a lot of times you gotta blame the parents. It's not always the government on that one. I mean, other people are stepping out of their kids' lives, and that's unfortunate because of the technology and because of the things that are going on. And because, because you told need to, and you need to have the McMansion, so both people got to work. There's nobody watching, you know, watching the store. I mean, so many things are going on there that it's just unfortunate. But those schools are um, a denizen for that type of stuff, and they're
1: teaching the kids to submit to the yes. all-powerful state. So you know what's going to save us? The people listening right now who are working two jobs because their wife is at home teaching the kids. Who are going to go home tonight and they're going to say, What did you learn in school? Let's go over it. To maybe deprogram them from a state run education system. I have hope. I have optimism. I I do too. But it starts with the people taking up the initiative to watch what is happening in the lives of your kids. That's how we correct things. So I'm optimistic. I'll be an old man, but it'll turn around. We'll be back after this.
0: Fakers, fixers, and takers. He's Dan Proft, and this is The Dan Proft Show.
1: Sean Thompson, Scott Lady, in for one Dan Proft. The cow guy, by the
2: way. You know, he's going to be mad that I said he was going. Oh, right. He's going to be, a man, he wants some. He makeup. has to be on assignment. He's on assignment. <laughs> That's what they say. Put now. His phony below can't he say j- that he's taking a vacation. He's on assignment. First of
1: all, he's the hardest worker, man, in talk radio. Yeah. I don't think people realize that. And you how say, and you say it shows. He's aging like Hillary Clinton right now. It's a shame. <laughs> what's happening? <to> him. It's
2: <laughs> the absolutely Duchess of terrible. Duchess Chaffington.
1: Yeah, the Duchess of Chaffington, who, by the way, I watched the first 10 minutes of that Hulu thing where they tried to the shoot her in the right lighting to make her look good. That can't happen. It's unfortunate. You almost feel bad for her. She's so obviously evil and corrupt. It just comes through. It's almost like I could almost smell like that old lady dust that they give off, you know, from the TV. Well, that, that
2: shoots your conspiracy theory to death that she'll come back. Because I don't even think the Democrats are that stupid to bring out, roll out a loser again. I don't think they're the You know Democrats. what
1: I always thought? Uh, uh, what's the one that looks like she's got uh, the shells in her chin? The kid. Chelsea. I always thought they'd bring Chelsea back. <laughs> the shells in her Oh, she's the puggle of human beings i'm not
2: to make fun of 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 oh no she's fair game now okay okay.
1: she's an adult i don't make fun of the little kids the old ones i go after baby listen i spent eight years (sighs) pretending michelle obama was pretty i am tired
2: of it you did not did you really
1: isn't that what society told us
2: oh i guess society
1: told us she's gorgeous i said oh wait a minute she looks, you know, and, and and that's where it all started on Chicago talk radio when I would start to call up and co- correct people. Hillary Clinton, she doesn't care about women's uh, women's uh, uh, rights. She sat idly by as her husband had numerous abuses. You're not allowed and- to.
2: You're not allowed to make that connection. So everybody's supposed to be stupid, right? I, I thought the same thing. How can you? go to bat for your husband against all these p- women and then you say you're on the side of women you don't care about women it anymore. doesn't make you sense care about kids but it also doesn't make sense when you, you know, in 2002 you've got Schumer and Pelosi railing on that you know we need to fund a border wall and then 14 15 years later no way we want a border wall it's a dumb idea but they're on tape saying it well I mean, what's that that's that's the the gall of being a politician. They must... See, I don't think... you it couldn't could, last two minutes in you the real couldn't world. Buy, you couldn't sell any mirrors in, to, to buy a lunch yeah. in, in that town. I mean, because no, they took them all down. They can't look at themselves anymore. You From one why, day to the next, they you lie. Know, you know why I
1: love talk radio? Because uh, we'll interact with people and I'll do a show and people will call up, you're crazy. No, I like people to call I up and love say you're stupid. that because at least there's an honesty in that disagreement. How could you possibly turn over anything to a chameleon like a politician?
2: well a that's, chameleon. that's why people don't uh, see this is why people don't get it nowadays and i i know i'm railing on about the, the the generation of no winners no losers everybody's equal right but there's something about having a boss that you know where he stands yeah. you don't have to agree with him but it's nice that's called a leader see you don't have to like your leader but you need to know how he's going to answer that question even without you asking him mm-hmm. so i would like to i would love to interview guys that were you know under General Patton's control, and so I bet you they would see the guy's the biggest a hole of all time. Yeah. But you know what? We were we were there for him because he was a great leader. Right. Guess what? How many people are going to say um, Bobby Knight was just the most lovable guy I've ever met in my entire life? All the guys that played for him, no. But guess what? He graduated all of his guys, and he won. Yeah. But nowadays we don't want that. We want ni- the nice guy. Here's my my position. Do you you, under- do you no, understand what I'm saying? Of course I do. But my position
1: is is isn't the in a representative republic, you know, it drives me nuts when I hear Democrats call it a democracy. In a representative republic, I would want to know when the last time a government bureaucrat or a government, polit- anybody, a representative, a congressman, a senator, said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Even though you want it, sir, I can't do it. It's not in my power to do it. My fear of a of a overpowered, arrogant, lack of integrity riddled politician running things it's from your local mayor to your to your state rep to your to your senator all the way up the chain i am so frightened that the average person cannot name to me what a politician cannot do that it it it, it shows me it gives me a certain pessimism where i'm naturally an optimist Because we've got average people who are sitting back running to politicians for help and for a a correcting of a wrong rather than taking it on themselves. So to to your point as to when you give everybody a trophy, it's because nobody understands how to lose. How are they going to understand what winning is? Everybody thinks they're, they're winning, even though they're being controlled. I think we've quietly drifted into statism.
2: I totally agree. I totally agree and 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 we've and now we're making that making that the norm and that's what's upsetting me right you know we're we're you know that that we work both in garbage where we have this uh cohabitational working it's yeah. the biggest crock of you know what I've ever seen in my entire life because they're turning work which isn't enjoyable that word isn't enjoyable, but that's how we go and survive into play yeah and we want and we've got we want to get paid to play and I said this is I, I, the, the woman that owned the building came around and said, you know, because I signed a lease. This is in London two, you know, a couple, three years ago. And I, I said, this is a joke. And she says, why? I said, this is, I come here to make money. Right. I'm not coming here to have the cinnamon cookies and coffee all day long. And she says, well, everybody loves it here. I said, okay, what's your background? She says, I'm a lawyer. I said, would you study here for the bar or study at the library for the bar? She says, point taken. I said, there you go. I'm here to make money. So if I want to study for a law degree, I'm going down to the library. I'm not going to do it here because this is like happy, clappy, lavender-infused oxygen room garbage. And you know what's funny? As we all
1: sit back, and the one thing that irks me about the average person is they want government— to give minimum standards for employment. So everyone is discussing a minimum wage now. And I don't see one side or one person say, who the hell are you to tell mom and pop what to pay anybody? I, I they should be for,
2: able to cut whatever deal they want with their people. They should cut whatever deal they want number 1 and number 2 let the let the local local labor market cut a deal too, right? You've I mean,
1: nationalized what? every business. Yes.
2: You've nationalized every piece of property. It's not the You've government's job.
1: And you know something, Scott? It always comes under the veil of safety. And look at the American conservative today, the American republic. Instead of screaming like we did when they first passed Obamacare, rip it out, we're now screaming, subsidize it and fix it. And brother that's the problem. It isn't that government is going to grab your life. They've always tried. It's that the American has submitted, has allowed it to yeah, happen. Right. We've adopted that slave mindset.
2: Okay, no and you know what this 15 bucks an hour stuff has got people? Come on. Sitting at home. Because now you go and order on a touch screen. There's nobody there and anymore. And you
1: killed all those businesses like yep. the ones my and grandfather had. And those are good, tax, good are, taxpayer people, too. You're, 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 you're turning to the, to the abuser yep. for help. It doesn't work. We'll be back after this. This is the Dan Prof Show. Thank you.
0: The more you listen, the more you'll know. This is the Dan Prof Show.
1: I'm Sean Thompson with Scotchalady. in for one Dan The cow prof, guy. The, the cow,
2: cow guy. guy. So this is what I want to talk to you about. You tell us a little bit about what you do. What do you do? You manage? No, yeah, we just help guys with a lot of money. Uh, we, actually, we don't trade on the exchange anymore. It's all principle to principle because the exchanges, you know, I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but have become a little bit um, too structured for people now, right? Yeah. We have to go by their rules, their products. A lot of guys out there with a lot of money don't want to actually have the expiration on this day or sure. trade this strike. So we go into a principal a principal relationship with them where it's over the counter, uh, and we do a trade amongst ourselves, the firm against the guy.
1: So wh- how did you get hooked up with television? When did you start doing TV in a
2: financial analyst uh, probably, uh, capacity? Probably 2005, 2004, and about that time, you know, my father also – uh, or a cow jacket, because we have a family farm. We still have a family farm. Oh. And we used to milk, milk 150 head of cattle three times a day, six noon and six. When wonder you got strong hands. That's hard, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and don't you know it. Um, <laughs> and so he wore a Holstein black and white trading jacket, like the gateway computer kind of a thing. Sure. On the, in the middle of the corn pit well, where he traded because he wanted people in the visitor's gallery to go, what's going on with that? And he had a little card that he gave to the guards to read which was basically, hey, it's not just gambling. We're setting an important economic function down there, right? And he was trying to teach people. you know, He wanted people to ask why he was wearing the jacket, and then he would try to tell, give them a quick lesson. Well, he retired. And so in 2002, I I put the jacket on, and boom, all this money started flooding into the business, hedge funds in sure. New York. And with, what comes with money? Media. And so they wanted to know, who's the fat guy wearing the cow jacket? Let's talk to that guy, right? right. And so I'm like the accidental media guy. I didn't mean for any of this to happen, but now, if you look at our business—it's the number one brand in the business. And plus, you had the awareness to to articulate and to explain the principles of what it is
1: we do, or we did. I I did, and you do. That is essential to the, to the cap and to the capitalism and the flow, the, it's ebb the and crux. flow of money, it's the crux of capitalism. And it's not a zero sum game, Scott. What drives me nuts is when lay people think it's a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. Capitalism—the beauty is everybody wins. Are there some losers? There used to be, but. Theoretically, everyone can win. The producer, the, the manufacturer, the retailer, the speculator, they all can win.
2: That's like my old man used to say when I was a kid. It's just like pizza. No such thing as a bad one. Just some that are better than others. That's exactly right. That's <laughs> exactly
1: right. And when I first started, you know, it was right before the crash, and it was like that, uh, that Trading Places moment. You know, what do you do? And it was the farmer was able to lock in his profit to protect against his loss. The speculator could could middle it and sell it to the retailer. Everybody won. 100% true. And you know who really won was the consumer. And Mm -hmm. what I've seen is the collapse of that, that understanding of economy. And people just want the price fix. Look, they want to be taken care of. It's a collapse
2: of everything. Wall Street's now a, now that's a, that's a, a, a gambling place. Where it used to be a place where you would go with a good idea and you get money for it, right? Yeah. And, and expand your business. So we've lost our way with a lot of things, especially that business. We're going to turn it back and we're going to do it on the Dan Prof. Show. I'm going to do it <laughs>
1: or I'm pruning the audience. I can't decide. I'm Sean Thompson, Scott your lady Dan Prof. Show. We'll be back after this.
0: From the fake news, he's always got the real story. This is the Dan Proft Show. You are fake news. The world is a complicated place. You need someone to expose the political fakers, fixers, and takers, and cut through the mindless chatter and misdirection to help you make sense of it all. That person is Dan Proft. And this is the Dan Proft Show.
1: I'm Sean Thompson, along with Scott, the cow guy, That took me almost the whole day, but I finally got it right. And um, we are doing the Dan Prof Show, and I am having a blast because we have access to the kind of guests that would normally run from an interview (laughs) with Sean Thompson (laughs) and Scott the Cowgash Lady. And we have such a guest, James Walner, on the line. James is a senior fellow at the R Street Institute. James, how are you?
4: I can assure you I wouldn't I wouldn't run. I wouldn't run. I, I would talk to you no matter where you, you are. You
1: haven't seen me, you don't have to run that I fast. Do. <laughs> I do appreciate it. And James, you fit right into what we what we're discussing today because I have a, a hard time with conforming to a Keynesian society, to a populism, to a socialism, to whatever ism it is. I like the freedomism and we don't have a party. And I like the idea that What I love about America is the idea it's a representative republic, and I still, I'm going to go down screaming in the wind that I want that back. That's kind of your wheelhouse, isn't it?
4: Well, I I tend to agree with you, and I tend to think it is important. And I tend to think that if you look out at politics today, there's a lot of agreement on how politics ought to operate. And it's not conducive, unfortunately for us, uh, to the kind of things that you need to maintain a representative democratic republic.
1: Do you think the two-party system is just ingrained and it's always going to be there?
4: I'm not so sure it's the two-party system per se. I think there are certain things in our system of government that makes it very difficult for third parties to, to emerge and to sustain themselves on a permanent basis. But even if we had more parties, if those parties were populated by partisans who think about politics the way that the current partisans think about politics, then I'm not sure it's going to make any difference.
0: Scott, do you have any? Well, I, I
2: was just thinking money when you were talking. I mean, that's that's a that's a a big issue and, and the money the, in the, politics, the, the capital is so- involved, and and uh, as you were speaking, my mind was wondering, to uh, can can you? I mean, just look what we just had happen with Bloomberg and um, all the things that uh, go along with that. I mean money is such a, a big deal nowadays, and I don't think that was really the intention way back when, and, and that, that's where we're at. I mean, what are your thoughts uh, on that?
4: Yeah, I think there's a lot of evidence on on all sides of that question. My big concern, if you look at, say, what happens in Congress right now, and especially the Senate, if you look at politics and the source of frustration that people are experiencing, it's because no one's doing anything. There's no action. No one's trying to win in the House and in the Senate, and you're not seeing your claims being adjudicated in, in the halls of Congress where they should be. So you get frustrated by that, and you and you turn to, to candidates like Donald Trump or, or Bernie Sanders that are more of an outlier-type candidate, a populist-type candidate, because you want to have your claims adjudicated, in and su- they're not being done so right
1: Why
2: aren't they doing anything?
1: Well, here's the thing. We've turned to them to write the rules to govern themselves, and what we forget is that they're human beings. And they're actually friends. They may pretend to be enemies, but the reality is they're friends. So we have such laws in place, not just the super PACs, which I find outrageous, or the lobbyist favoritism, but we have laws in place where there are actually congressmen that have died or been out of politics for years yet still have the advantage of having a campaign war chest to have contributors give money to, and it's tax-free and they could run with it. Do you see a future where the American people get so disgusted with that that we make them change it, or is it just trickle down till it's we hit the bottom of, of, of a collectivist utopia?
4: <laughs> well, you know, I think that if you look at past periods of reform in our nation's history, what's happened is that people don't like how the system works. They don't like how organizations work. They don't like how Congress works. And so they come in and they upend everything. They're the skunk at the garden party, if you will. But they can't really do that unless they go outside of the Congress, if they appeal to the people and they use messaging tactics and other things that may or may not cost money. The problem with that today is that we see that kind of stuff as a negative, as a bad thing. And it may be bad from a policy perspective, it depends on your policy view. But as, a, as an institutional matter, it's completely consistent with our, with our system. If, if you walk into a room and everyone in that room doesn't agree with you, then you have one option if you want to prevail in the end, which is to go outside of the room and get their constituents to, to pressure them to agree with you or to get new members to join you in the room. There's no other way. And and we today we see that as a bad thing and we see the money that that takes and the other things that that takes as being a bad thing. Um, I think money can be good and bad. It just depends on what it's used for. If it's used to facilitate action, that's great. If it's not, then it's, it's not so great.
1: But history has shown us it's used to buy political favoritism. I mean, that's just the reality of it. The reality of it is they're buying favoritism. They're, and there's there's nothing, there's no stopgap to grab it. In fact, there's some outrage. And if you remember, there was the rage against pork barrel spending. Well, now what do we see? Bills promised and loaded with more pork Pork barrel spending. So they do that thing I that that I do when my wife is aggravating me about throwing something out. I'll get to it later, honey. Come and sit down and watch a movie. And I hope she forgets about it, so I can have the same <laughs> thing tomorrow. It's the same thing Congress does with the American people. And um, it's go ahead.
4: it's certainly the case that that spending is out of control, and that both parties have embraced that mentality. What I'm not so sure of is that money, it's a good use of your money. So if you look at Bloomberg, he spent a lot of money. I mean, he spent more money than I will ever, ever have in my lifetime if I lived a thousand lifetimes. And and what does he get for it? Right. And He said you, it was the time so of I'm his not, life.
1: <laughs> well, that,
5: <laughs> He's
4: had a pretty boring life insane. then, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so I, I think it's, you know, it's not necessarily a given that spending large sums of money is going to help. Is going to help you win if you don't speak to the concerns of the people, if you don't speak to the concerns of the voters. I mean, yes, it's easier for you to have access to the system if you have money than if you don't have money. But at the end of the day, the system is ultimately premised on one thing, and that is members uh, of Congress who are elected by their voters. And right now, everyone is frustrated. Everyone in America, so far as I can tell, on the left and the right, big business and, and small business and anybody in between. They're all frustrated with the status quo.
1: We just saw. That's an
4: interesting thing because the status quo never—it should change.
1: Well, you know what's funny is, um, uh, when Biden had that Super Tuesday turnaround, and Clyburn. Super Thursday. Yeah, Super, th- <laughs> and Clyburn, <laughs> who is a, a politician, Clyburn, um, from South Carolina, riddled in scandal, scandal of misappropriation of funds, scandal of taking pork from the government back to his home district just it's despicable it's almost chicago democrat-esque in its skullduggery yet when push came to shove his constituents did what they were told and voted the way he told them and what that does to a guy like me is makes it makes me realize that unfortunately the system the citizen has been so corrupted that he doesn't stand for principle anymore that he's comfortable in having his representative be a low-life fraud, as long as he brings bacon home back to the district. Is it just? Is it just too far gone? Am I just trying to reason with a criminal? Am I just trying to cut a deal with with somebody who just wants to move the numbers around, not wants to reject the bribe?
4: Well, you know, in the past, when people were upset, they would eventually get new representatives. I think the problem now is, though that all of this energy and all of this money and everything else that's happening is being used to, to not, to not do anything. And, and I think it's locking in a status quo that is, that is unacceptable that people do not like that they find frustrating. And look, corruption's always been a problem in American politics backdoor shady room deals have always been a problem in American politics. We should strive for them not to be a problem. I think that's something that hopefully all of your listeners can agree with us on, but at the end of the day, it's that's that's not the problem. The problem is that when you act, when you take action in Congress, when you do stuff in politics, you, you you create the conditions in which your voters can hold you accountable. But if you never take action, then there's no way to hold you accountable because there's no way to know what you did.
1: Government where inaction and failure gets you a promotion, <laughs> <Right>. Listen, James, <laughs> I had such a good time. Now, if, if the people want to see more of your stuff, where do they go?
0: The
4: R Street, the R Street Institute, our website, um, is, is it's a wonderful organization. It's a lot of innovative, uh, free-thinking type um, stuff there, really trying to think outside the box and try to get away from these kind of conventional forms of thinking to say, what is actually the problem, and then how do we actually go about solving it?
1: Well, listen, I've had a great time doing it, and um, what do you have working? Do you see any, uh, you have anything in the future cooking?
4: Well, I'm working on a lot of some book projects, some, some op-eds, all kinds of things. But it, basically, I, you know, I just wake up every day, I take a look at the world around me, and I try to reduce that gap between how I think about it and what's actually happening. And I think if more people did that, then we would ultimately get a little bit better understanding and we'd get a little bit better uh, ability to communicate across our differences. And ultimately, I think we get a little bit better uh, government and policies and everything else that comes with that.
1: James Wallner, thank you so much for joining me. I do appreciate it. Thank you.
4: Thanks
0: for having me. Grab a good seat and sharpen your pencils. Class is in session with Professor Dan Proft and The Dan Proft Show.
1: I'd like to welcome you back to The Dan Proft Show. With a guest host, Sean Thompson is my name, and Scott, the lady, the, cow, the guy. cow guy. I always forget the cow.
2: Yeah. The cow guy—that's the brand. No, you know what? It's like being served from the sheriff. If somebody knows my name, it's bad. I like yeah, to right, be the right. cow right. So if they, hey Scott, I'm like an old guy. Okay, I, I own money. Now or you've been on a couple stations, but
1: which is the primary station you're on
2: right now? Fox Business
1: News. Fox
2: Business yeah, News. Fox so l-
1: for those of you listening, this is Scott who wears the cow jacket. Well, I'm proud to I got a regular
2: I do a regular segment on Tuesdays usually with Stuart Barney and then either Thursday or Friday with Kabuto. Are you just sickened you know I can't even watch news anymore I really can't i I and uh I can watch you know I can watch that show I mean
1: no, 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 I don't mean your show. I'm talking about the general news. And when you hear these mannequins who pretend to be author- authorities speak of how high oil is great for the economy. I, we, do you ever ask
2: yourself, do they ever listen to themselves? I mean, do they listen to what they're actually saying? Because sometimes I think... I, I scream at the wife, I, you can't, we can't keep this on in the house. Just stop it. we, we go over to, you know what I watch now? HGTV, because I just don't yeah. get angry
1: anymore. My wife, too, and I love that married couple they do with the ship
2: lap on ship the walls. Yeah, ship and Joanna? Ship um, But here's the problem. Joanna's nice. Isn't yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: But here's my here's my problem. Uh, that big dude on Hometown.
2: I like the big guy with the, great, the, the big beard. Sure. Yeah. yeah, well, I got the short man complex. Laurel, I don't Mississippi, like tall guys. Laurel, I want to fight them. There
1: we go. Um, so here's the, here's the problem I have. Growing up the way we did. You know, I'm over 50 years old. I know you're in your
2: 40s. 54. Oh, are you really? Yeah. Okay, so growing up the way we did. My age is almost my, my waist now.
1: Nice. Great to go. <laughs> Nothing to be proud of, Rusty. Um, growing up the way we did, we had to learn about fundamentals and principles, and especially when you go into the industries we went into. I'll never forget, you know, I was lucky enough to, to cozy up to a couple of traders who were older, and I said, I really want to be good at this. It was an old Jewish guy who I love to this day, helped me out tremendous. We used to call him the bomber, and he'd say, you want to be good at it? Learn the principle. Learn the fundamentals. And he would give me old books About Jesse Livermore, and he'd give me Hayek, and he'd give me old uh, von Mises books and
2: The Economy,
1: and we would learn. And there was a dog named,
2: there's a book named after Prof's dog.
1: Prof stole that (laughs) name. I kept mentioning Hayek. He stole the damn name. Anyway, um, so we learned about fundamental principles in capitalism, and I loved it because it's the only place in this, and we're the only country where you could start out with nothing and have something at the end if you learn to master those beliefs and principles. And I feel, Scott, that for the last, really since TARP, since 08, it's just all backwards to me. And credit is being monetized. We're we're told that loss is failure. I mean, uh, uh, loss is winning. I'm told to ignore the math. You know, I look at Enron and I look at GE, Mm -hmm. and to me the only difference is the label.
2: Right, right.
1: It's the same math.
2: Well, the the smart guys out there... They don't say what what the outcome will be because they don't want to scare everybody. But it's either going to be blood in the streets or some sort of you know off of their heads kind of a French Revolution moment. Because what's happening, and and I feel for in the '70s when we were kids, there were there were actual laborers on the board, right? And then the '80s we got rid of all that because the you know the, the shareholder is king. We we work for the shareholders. That's all that matters. Shareholder, shareholder, shareholder. Well, then that became the CEO and the shareholders. Well, guess what happens The stock prices and. So we got rid of the worker. And I'm not saying, you know, they've they, they got to infiltrate. But I, why not have a voice on the board just to kind of let people know what's going on? Yeah. They've totally forgot. And that's the wealth gap is what I'm talking Correct. about. Correct. Right but here's the problem. We have to correctly diagnose that because I don't
1: blame capitalism for that. I blame the labor mafia union for that. I really do. You want to know, to me, what destroyed American manufacturing is the labor mafia corruption within government. Because, as anybody knows, as in the old Godfather. So, are movies, you an anti
2: union guy across the board? I'm an anti union guy across the board. I, you know, I am too, but I do another radio radio show with a guy that kind of went to university to learn about unions, right? There was a, like a couple classes he could take out at Occidental where Barry O went. By sure. The way. And, they, you know, they, they have some points, you know, when you could – just an organized organized anything isn't always necessarily bad, but then when they get power, I, I can see where it gets distorted. And I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not pro-union myself.
1: Right. Well, we're living in the fact that if you see the UAW every, every week is in scandal. And here's the other thing. I'm going to tell you, I didn't go to college to learn about unions. What I did was drive around a union president, and I married the other union president's daughter. Yikes! So that's how so I. So you can't about say unions. you can't
2: say anything bad about the unions. Oh, then. I can say everything bad. Well, about my them. wife worked there a crime for Ford, so she was in the UAW. So she told me everything about it, and I thought, "This is how can you? How do you let anybody tell you who to vote for?" I didn't understand it's that. It's insane. Do you okay. understand that whole that whole well, thing about getting endorsed by this union or that union is so stupid to me? Because I'm not voting for them just because you endorse them. I'm going to vote for who I want. One thing that history has shown us is people want to feel protected.
1: They want somebody to say, "I've got you." So they join this group, and it says, I've got you. The selling point is you just vote the way I tell you. Oh, and give me your money. Right. So they extort the labor force, their own members they extort, they protect, and they only hire those that bow down before them. They do everything they can to avoid competition, thus raising the price for everyone across the board. I I agree. And here's the other thing that they do that I really have a hard time, I've you know, one of I used to take calls all the time. We would get union guys who would say, what are you talking about? You're crazy. Well, then somebody tell me how a union incentivizes an overachiever. Right, exactly right. Unions disincentivize achievement. They tell you how not to work, exactly not right. how to work more efficiently. Right. I'll never forget, I was a union bricklayer, right? My old man was a union bricklayer. I was an apprentice. I started working, and the guy said, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? What are you crazy? <laughs> You're going too fast. You're talking. You're going way too fast. We got to, this job's got to last a while. <laughs> I thought to myself, what the hell is going on? And you know what? It doesn't matter what union it is. If you look at what they're trying to do, they're trying to get more time off at higher pay, right? It's mediocrity at very high rates and, and rewarded. Yeah, right. So that's why I'm anti gay.
2: I know. I, I, I don't. I, I don't know how we got on that subject, but I, well, I, we got I, on it
1: because we started talking about what broke America. And I here's don't the thing: disagree with you on that. We turn to the, the the worst people as is. The overarching theme, as far as I'm concerned when we talk about government, is these are the last people that should be in charge. No,
2: and they, and they have distorted asset prices so badly over the last 12 years that I don't know if there's any turning back. I mean, we're, we're, I don't want to be too much of an alarmist, but it's not good. I'll tell you how you know if there's no turning back if you put a dimwit like this. Turn
5: this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for because we cannot get reelected we cannot win this re-election.
2: Yeah. All right.
5: Excuse me, we can only re-elect
2: Donald Trump. It's sad.
1: That is sad. And to be an American democrat and to sit there with your thumb in your mouth as this goes on pretending you're represented shows a character flaw. You know what Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders show me a character flaw in the democrat party and that if for for a little payoff they will shut up and sit in a corner and do what they're told, because the only people that are voting for this kind of stupidity and incompetence and sales pitch of a government utopia run by a guy who never had a job in Bernie Sanders is if one of them, neither one of them, they're bought off. Yeah, sure. So you know what? I hold the the American Democrat in contempt. I have contempt for the American Democrat. I'm I, sorry.
2: And and they say to well, they say to us, how did you, you know? What do you think about Donald Trump? How do you have that guy Flander or this guy that you know what? I, policy. I like his policy, right? And not all of them, but most of them are pretty good and right. that's why I voted for. I didn't vote for Jimmy Carter, you know, a priest. I want policy I want Bobby Knight let's win a few games
1: I just think think we need to get to a point where these positions are what the founders intended where they're secure from doing too much damage I want to reestablish a separation I want to strip away all these powers of a presidency or a senate or a congress I want to make them fight and make law back to the shield versus the spear and I know I'm yelling into a windstorm you are. But I'm going to go down swinging because you know what? The capitalist and the free man, his philosophy should be with my last breath. Sorry, I'm never going to live on my knees. I'd rather die on my feet. I've had a good time. We'll be back after the break. Thank you for listening to the Dan Proft.
0: You're listening to the Dan Proft Show on the Salem Radio Network.
1: I'd like to welcome you back to the Dan Prof Show. My name's Sean Thompson, Scott Shalady, the, the cow, cow guy. guy. Yep. And listen, I brought some heavy hitters. We're going to talk economy. We get Carol Roth. We dust her off. We tell her, come on, Carol, we need your help. <laughs> Carol, What's how are you? What's going
7: on, guys? Good morning.
1: Hey, how are you? So as you know, this is the Dan Prof Show. This is broadcast to all of the states that are just witnessing the kind of Democrat collapse and failure and skullduggery the three Chicagoans on the phone right now are all very familiar
7: with. So, this, is a, this is a true statement. This is a true statement.
1: As, as I, I always like to show the failure that we go through to other states so that we can warn them from colluding with the kind of lies and frauds that the Democrats spew in total. Are you shocked at the amount of collapse in the, both the real estate market at the same time the real estate taxes are going up that's happening in Chicago, Cook County, DuPage County, in Illinois?
7: Yeah, I'm shocked like uh, they were shocked in Casablanca that gold, that gambling was going on. Shocked! Shocked <laughs> to find out that gambling is going on here. Now, I mean, this is basic math, and this is probably my biggest contention with the state of Illinois, is that, that we keep uh, ha- voting for people who have absolutely no concept of how to add, multiply, or anything that's even related to business, finance, or, or, or economics. It goes back to last year. Um, when they decided that they were going to do a state income tax hike, and it was a, a percentage point, but a 33% increase, and you had, uh, you know, some of the state representatives going around and saying, "Oh, you know, Governor Rauner at the time is lying. It's it's not 33% increase. It's 1% because they didn't understand the difference between a percentage point and a percentage increase. Uh, they don't even know what they're voting for. But the fact of the matter is there is some basic math going on and Illinois is in competition with other states for resources and people and Capital is mobile, and as you continue to raise taxes and continue to make it more expensive to live here, with, by the way, no associated benefits, it's not like we have great schools and great roads and you know, great all weather. These other great, great weather. things that they've done, the When you continue to do that, people are going to say at some point, this is too expensive, I'm not getting my value, they're going to take their capital elsewhere, the pie is going to shrink, and it's going to put more burden on the people who are left, whether you are quote-unquote wealthier or middle class, everyone's going to have to pay more because there's a smaller pie. If they were just, you know, had any iota of a brain, they would cut taxes, they would grow the pie, we have all kinds of people here, and it would be a benefit to everyone, and I just don't fundamentally understand what they're doing.
1: As you see oh I'm sorry as you see the national platform embrace our failure and you're watching these these old men treated like they're rock stars with new ideas, why can't we communicate to the rest of the country we're failing right here, aren't you watching in New York, in California, in Illinois, in New Jersey? I'm just baffled, Carol, and I'm scared that fifty percent of our country is socialists.
7: Yeah, I mean it's uh it's a failure of our education system, which who's in charge of the education system, the quote-unquote government, and frankly, the liberal government, and people have not... Um, understood facts and figures, and they've prioritized emotions over facts. And unfortunately, I, I appreciate the fact that people want to help others, but it doesn't mean that the government is the solution, because we all know that the government is a, a, the absolute worst solution. So the fact that they can't get outside of their bubble and go, oh, there's another way that we could potentially address this problem that's less costly and more efficient and more effective with higher quality uh, is the critical thinking. And unfortunately, the Education system lacks, and because everybody in politics knows that they talk in these, you know, emotional bubbles, um, people start believing things that aren't true. There's a horrendous act that is going through Congress right now that is based on a, another horrendous bill out of california one of our you know uh, sister states and you know skullduggery and corruption and just you know absolute uh, disaster that will basically put fifty seven million gig and independent contractor workers out of business and unfor- and it's already done it in california and you know, i keep trying to raise a flag with some other folks um, to try and get people to call in and tell everyone it's called the PRO Act, P-R-O-A-C-T. You know, call Durbin, call .org, call your representative and say vote no on the PRO Act because it's basically going to kill small businesses and gig workers, but nobody's even paying attention to that. And of course, they've clouded it and shrouded it and oh no, this is PRO Worker and it's absolutely not PRO Worker.
2: Well,
1: I would hope that we would learn from our mistakes, but. That would also take care of second weddings. (laughs) So now I'm (laughs) getting. Oh boy, I'm kidding. My wife it isn't it listening. Would, I took a also, shot at marriage. I'm sorry but
7: it, it. would also, you know, have the, it's the same thing we're seeing, like, in Texas, where you've got a bunch of people from California who are, are, are fleeing because they have really bad policies and they're moving to Texas and trying to vote for yeah. the same policies they just flee. Like, I, I don't know what to do to well, wake people up. Carol, we can
1: tell them, stop voting. If you move to Texas, don't vote if you're a Democrat. <laughs> we'll have more with Carol Roth
0: when we get back. Political fakers, fixers, and takers. He's Dan Prof. And this is The Dan Prof. Show.
1: I'd like to welcome you back to The Dan Prof. Show. My name is Sean Thompson, Scott Shalady, and on the line, Carolyn Roth. How are you? Thank you for You're hanging right. on. I do appreciate it. You know me, I get talking right into the
2: break. That's what I do. But um You were talking well, I was gonna jump in and yeah, say that Scott wanted to jump no, in. No, I, I was only gonna jump time. in and say that obviously with the stock market doing what it's doing as of late, then this goes with what your your divorce uh you know thing was. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> The stock market crash is worse than a divorce because you lose half your money and you still have your wife around, right? So.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh
7: <laughs> terrible! God.
2: Terrible! Terrible! What do you
1: think? Do you th- what do you think about the fix, Carolyn? What do you think?
7: What do you think about the stock market? Yeah. So, listen, I'm one of those people. I'm more comfortable when things are going wrong than when they're going right. I'm a little bit of a contrarian there. Uh, The market had been priced for perfection. I mean, we have been through this unprecedented period where the market just kept going up and up and up and really hadn't corrected, which is something that it does on a normal basis, and it was really overdue for a pullback, and because it had been so long, in my opinion, that's why you saw the velocity of the downward trend um, and, you know, that sort of uh, so many days in a row of downward trends, because it, it just needed that breather. So I, I'm completely okay with that level of a pullback. I think that it was healthy. Uh, that being said, the one thing that does concern me going forward is that it, it tends to, to sometimes be a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy when you get people talking about fears of a recession and a bad economy and all these things that haven't happened yet. But if you get businesses to pull back on their investments and you get consumers who are concerned and aren't going out and aren't spending, and certainly we know that through coronavirus that people aren't going to be taking their spring break trips or going on their cruises or whatnot – uh, eventually that comes to roost, right? So yep. you do get those, those lower um, value valuations and lower earnings. And then, obviously, that continues to take stocks down, and then it just becomes a vicious cycle. So I, I just would hope that people don't overreact. This is something that you know, can be normalized um and you know just uh, just keep your wits about you because you know that that's when it presents this, opportunities on the market. This is days. my
2: that's you're you're spot on and this is my problem with the whole thing Carol is that I'm a little older than you. Sean and I are both older than you and we've seen these things a lot. And this is the first time in a in a long time if 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 not ever that I've seen um an economic calamity caused by a virus not by another economic calamity like the savings and loan crisis of the 80s and you know the, the um, housing right. market of the and you know, all the other you know Asian contagion, uh, long-term capital management, you name it. Um, we're generally it's systemic were, issues. Yeah, internally, right? For, with with the this. So here's here's where I just don't want the Fed and or the government to go off base here because until you can get Mon Pa Kettle out of the house and go eat dinner at Chinatown tonight, you're not going to solve the problem by throwing money at it. And, and if they're not leaving the house, no amount of money's you could cut rates by 3% into the negatives and it's not going to make a difference, but I don't know if they're thinking that way. So yeah, payroll tax cut, whatever. Great. That, that's fine. But that's not going to bring people out of their houses and go to a soccer game or a basketball game. And we're canceling these things left, right, and center. So it's just only adding to their, their fears. So they're just going to stay home. Now, yes, Amazon delivers and a lot of restaurants deliver, but it's just not going to be to the, to the extent it was where people were actually going out. We're canceling all these, these conventions. And that's my problem. If you think that money is going to get people out of their houses, you're wrong.
7: Now I agree with you, and I think that the Fed fumbled the ball big time here. It was oh. absolutely idiotic for them to do that emergency 50-point rate cut. Um, Like you said, it's not going to spur any additional investment. It's not like, quote-unquote, high rates were holding anybody back from making any sort of investment. And then it panicked everybody. It made people go, oh, is there something that we don't know about that you're so concerned that you couldn't wait two weeks until you had a scheduled meeting to address? And it was just a complete fumble and bumble. And uh, like you said, you can't micromanage the economy that way.
1: Is it too late to correct? You know, and I mean that because... You know you and i and, and, and people in the in the financial world understood that the mission of the Federal Reserve changed drastically from reactionary to proactive over the last twenty years. Is it too late to put it back in the box <laughs>
7: Well, if it were me, I would undo the rate cut, but then the market's going to panic further. But I think it's one of those things that eventually they're going to have to do, because the problem at this point is that when things do eventually go, you know, act actually pretty badly, because we know that there are business cycles and there will eventually be uh, a recession, they're not going to have any tools left. And then it's going to be really, really ugly. Um, but, you know, in, in reality, can they undo that? I'm I'm not sure that realistically they could.
2: Well, and, you know, and, and with this whole market bounce back today that we, we, it looks as though it's happening, I don't. I haven't seen the prices in a while, but, you know, w- we can all debate on what, you know, I think your price to perfection was a great point. You know, we were priced to perfection. This is why we're seeing the, the, the velocity that we are. Um, and to Sean's word, uh, you know, I think that, you know, when when we had the Fed really get involved with our back pockets, it's really distorted asset prices. Much yeah. more than people really believe. You know, I, I want to get back to normal, too, right? I, but you got to get the Fed out of your back pocket to get back to normal. That's the problem. And it's yeah. almost like they're, they're here to stay. And that's my problem with the whole thing is that that's, that's going to be something that I don't know we, we can, if we can put that back in the box.
7: Yeah, it, it, it's a big problem, and it's a problem that's off the back of people who have have retired or looking to retire, people who are dependent on fixed income and, and some sort of normalized interest rate to depend on, and it's become very, very unhealthy.
1: You know why I'm nervous, Carol? They're going to take me off the sidelines. All my life, I've been a – never buy it unless – you know, I'm not a leverage debt guy. I'm not. I'm looking at these numbers. I'm looking at cap rate return on investment, commercial, real estate – I'm thinking to myself, boy, oh boy, how do you not go into the leverage game right now? And wouldn't you believe it? These son of a guns have wooed me. And I'm very upset about it, Carol.
7: Well, you know what, I, I I'm less concerned about you, Sean, doing it than there are other people who perhaps um you know don't have the resources who are, you know, so lured in and that that's the danger when you get a situation like this is it it inspires um, and provokes Gosh. riskier behavior, and so you get people making investments that they otherwise wouldn't, and that's never a good thing for the market well, to, to either. Go with, I'm a free market gal. You yeah. what the market to do what the market does.
2: To go with Sean's conspiracy theory, though, it seems like to me, why not go all in? Because it's yeah. either going to blow up or you're going to get bailed out.
1: And now this philo- the, the <laughs> right? psychological I mean, like philosophy that. is like, hey, I owe money. Turn over the keys. Yeah. <laughs> Deed and loot a son of a gun. What are you going to do to me? Right. It's terrible, Carol, what they did to me. I used to be so principled, but I had more <laughs> hair. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, listen, Carol, I so appreciate it. If I want to look at your stuff, where do I go?
7: Uh, number one thing, especially with coronavirus right now, get your information and wishes together at futurefile.com and follow me on Twitter at Carol J S Ross. Love it. Thank you so much for joining us on the
1: Dan Prof Show as he golfs and throws clubs. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys.
0: The more you listen, the more you'll know. This is the Dan Prof Show.
1: I'm Sean Thompson with Scott Shalady. We are in on the Dan Prop Show as Dan rarely takes a day off and uh, his face tells the story. He works all the time. He uh, he did, however, cut out today. And what is it, the official tagline we're supposed to say? He's on assignment? He's on assignment,
2: yeah. That's Rather
1: than yelling that's at his caddy? Yeah. <laughs> all right. I just right. want to stick on theme. I hate to just show the people that he is actually a human being and occasionally does like to chase the he's, golf He's ball. a bit of an elitist, but that's okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, that was scotch not Sean Thompson, who said that. <laughs> I'd like to be back. Yeah, right. But, you know, one of the things is... Oh, well, they, they pay you.
2: That's the difference. That yeah, they pay. Right, yeah no. right.
1: It's not enough. I need to unionize. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. But what happened today with Joe Biden at a union, an auto worker union event, I found shocking. Because here's what's happened to these politicians. They've gotten a little overconfident. With their fact of, eh, you know what, these union guys are going to shut up and do what they're told. I think they have for decades. But when you go after things they love, like the Second Amendment, because I'll tell you another thing. People are very, have very strong, rightfully, have very strong feelings about the Second Amendment. One thing is for sure. Democrats don't like your Second Amendment. It's not just here in Chicago, Illinois, that they hate your Second Amendment. It's the big ones, too. Even the old ones. So they asked Joe Biden today. I want you to hear this clip.
0: For sh- All right, now, no, no, shush. I support the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment, is just like right now, if you yell, fire, that's not
3: free
5: speech.
2: Second, I mean, what the hell is he well, talking about? Was that one of? of his handlers trying to should, like, get him away? Like, okay, well, let's go, let's go? Is that? Yeah, I, 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 they're I, trying to get him away because they don't want to expose him to
1: this kind of, this kind of recording. This obviously is recorded on a phone. This isn't something the Democrat Party or his handlers want you to be aware no way. of. This is this is a flaw in his character where he is he can't. Which is gonna focus. keep happening. Right. It's gonna keep happening. And that's why my conspiracy is holds right. Oh. You mark my words. He's gonna go for the, the weekend at Bernie's where you just don't see him anymore. <laughs> and then the next week, uh, Joe Biden unfortunately cannot go on. We're going to give you Camilla Harris. The Duchess, the Duchess of Chafington. The oh, Duchess of Chafington. That's such a good name. Oh, yeah, I came up with it on well, the fly. Yeah, well, I, look, he's... You know why pantsuits? Not for everyone. No.
2: Yeah, she I should mean, be in one of those Saudi for, outfits. they for Hillary Clinton and Ray Rayner.
1: Whew. But anyway. The only thing the nation could agree on is we completely understood why Bill Clinton cheated. <laughs> I mean, is oh, it? I mean, <laughs> the only thing everybody cut him a break for is like, whew, all right, I guess I could understand it. And, you know, I have to say, his his cover-up was almost as as flawed as Joe Biden's here. When he was asked during the, the Hillary Clinton special, why did you partake in it? And how do you feel about it with Monica Lewinsky? Who by d- the way, I didn't even
2: watch the special. By the way, I didn't. I only watched it. twenty minutes. Ago. It made me sick.
1: Monica Lewinsky was freshly out of her twenties. She was a kid. Destroyed. He destroyed her. De- still. And here st- we are, thirty years later, still
2: feeling the effects. And he's asked things. why,
1: and you know what he said? I was dealing with anxiety. Oh, so all you need to deal with anxiety is a intern who can keep a secret. There is how the Clinton Democrat takes care of anxiety. They can't even correct or apologize in a proper manner. That's why beware the old doddering Democrat. He has contempt for you and all the excuses in the world. Sean Thompson, Scott Shalady for the Dan Prof Show.
0: Far from the fake news, he's always got the real story. This is the Dan Prof Show.
5: You are fake news.